0: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number 80. In today's episode, we're on question five of the discipleship questions. And so if you've been tracking along, you can enjoy that. But before we do that, we have some thinklings business to tend to.
1: Books and business.
0: Let's talk about some books. dot 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 and other things.
1: <laughs> you get to start.
0: And that's why yeah, I'm going to start and I really haven't been reading a lot because I've had this other thing in my life called sin. No. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> okay, <laughs> well. It's a sin not to read. Is it a sin not to read? I don't no. know. I don't think It's so. probably it's a not. sin
1: not sin. to think.
2: Ooh, that's good. Ooh. Ooh, we are commanded. To, we
0: are. Well, anyway. Uh, so uh, Pride and Prejudice, the play, was last week. And uh, so I, I've been really busy with that. And uh, I actually have finished a couple of books in the last two weeks, but I'm not really sure if I'm ready to talk about them on the podcast yet. Uh, we vaguely mentioned the zombie book, and I did finish that. Have I talked about... I should just I should be writing these things down and keeping track of them. Did I ever talk about the Leif Unger book, the other one?
2: Yeah. No, just Not Peace Like a River. One, you you know. haven't told us about the other one yet.
0: Okay, because there's two there's two other ones.
2: Peace Like a River.
0: There's Peace Like a River that I did talk about. And then there's uh Brave, Young and Handsome. And, and then there's uh Whoa. Yeah, I know. It's just way out here. And then the other one is called Virgil Wander. Um But I don't think I'm ready to talk about I'm gonna save those for okay. the summer, I think.
2: Okay.
0: So I have been reading, just not a lot of stuff. But here's uh, here's what I'll say about Pride and Prejudice.
1: Freedom. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: about that's about right. <laughs> well, what's 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 happening now, though, is like you've spent so much time with certain people that now it's like weird that you're not seeing them. You know. So I have a little squad of people that I hang out with like all the time. Like the last two months, like you pretty much saw them.
2: How many, every day how often and how long would you practice it's like uh
0: we would typically practice monday tuesday sometimes thursday and then towards the end we um we had some saturdays in there okay and then uh for those of us who had to partake in the dances there were some special dance practices
2: you know after seeing the play i feel like i need to talk about the dancing do it talk about the dancing it was like choreographed walking Oh yeah. So so I think in the last couple episodes you've said dancing, and I'm i think there's probably an impression in our listeners' minds. But when I came, I was like quite nervous. I'm like, oh no, you're basically like walking in lines yeah. and like touching so hands every there, now and then. There's so, a reason
0: why it had to be like that.
2: Oh be, because, because
0: there's dialogue happening yeah. during them. Yeah. So if we actually like If we went like full speed, you wouldn't be able to hear the lines that are happening.
1: Praise the
2: Lord. I thought it was very appropriate is what I'm trying to say. And had you not said there was tons of dancing, I don't think I would have noticed it. I literally should have come
0: to the practices. It was very, very different.
2: (laughs) Here I am trying to put it in a good light and Charlie's like,
0: Nope, it was terrible.
2: I didn't say that
0: Alyssa. I did not say that Alyssa was the director. (laughs) Don't put words in my mouth.
2: Oops. Sorry about that. I take those words back.
0: (laughs) Um, but anyway, so yeah, um it oh, was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun.
2: I enjoyed it. I my, thought it was
0: my my little play family knows uh, that I miss them and we've eaten way too much Chick-fil-A and cuz we we would get done late at night and we're super hungry and so we would run to Chick-fil-A like 20 minutes before they close. And...
2: Can you eat too much Chick-fil-A?
0: Yes, you can. Oh, oh. I guess that's a lesson I learned from the play too. Anyway, that's my books and business. Okay. So I've been reading just not enough to substantively talk about something.
2: I don't want to say it's a favorite thing. I want to be careful about the, but I really enjoyed the way your character and Laura Huggins character would interact and like you would razz her and she would like freak out. It was, it was quite, quite entertaining.
0: Yeah, she, she and I were a married couple that had been married for 20 years and her character is definitely portrayed as crazy. She did. And mine is like, so fed up with it anyway
2: it was good anyways yeah. all right well i'll go next so i have been reading and i've almost finished i'm like one chapter two chapters away but it's enough that i'm going to give it a recommendation a book called a student's guide to culture by stone street and Kunkel. uh brett Kunkel is an apologist who works on staff at stand to reason who is greg cookle's organization and i believe the other guy's first name is john stone street oh yes uh you know, Greg Coco, a friend of the podcast. There you happy, Charlie. <laughs> so this, this book is meant to. So the reason I picked it up for cheap on eBooks, sorry, Tim, is because I find culture fascinating and I'd like to read on culture. I haven't read any of the greats on culture. This book book looked very interesting and I'm going to give it a, a pretty strong recommendation. It's aimed at probably a uh, upper high school uh, early to middle college, but it's, it's hard. It's one of those books that it's aimed at that, but anybody anywhere could read it and it would be helpful. So there's four parts to the book. The first part is why you should care about culture in that part. The authors define what a culture is, but they're doing it for a layman. So you're not going to get, um, the deep Roger Scruton, um, Joseph Pieper, like all those guys, you're going to get, it's going to be very much like a down to earth definition of culture. And I think it's largely okay having not read all those other books. And then he, they're, they're going to talk about where, like you see the implications of that, uh, part two is undercurrents. So where, where does culture get shaped for us? They're going to nail a couple of ideas, information age. They're going to talk about, um, where we get knowledge how the speed of knowledge has affected this. And then some other ideas. Chapter six is titled being alone together. That one was really fun to read. Uh, We have more ways to connect today than we ever have in the history of humanity. And yet because of our devices, we're more fractured uh, than we probably have been in quite a while. And so they point out some of that. Then part three is the actual guide to culture. And this is where they go through different topics that are being affected by the culture. So I'm just going to list them off. These are each a chapter. Pornography, the hookup culture, sexual orientation, gender identity, affluence and consumerism. That's one chapter. Addictions, entertainment, and racial tension. Now each one of those, they have like a scripted four-part path they're going to go through in the chapter and they're going to address it. The nice thing is uh, maybe you don't deal with gender identity. Uh, You could read the chapter. It might be some interesting information, But if you ever needed information, it's full of uh, quotes and resources that unpack what's going on at a very introductory level that I thought was very helpful. And then part four is how to build a Christian worldview. And there's a chapter on reading the Bible, a chapter on trusting the Bible, uh, a chapter that I'm currently on, the right kind of pluralism. Uh, That's a really intriguing discussion in and of itself. And then the last one is about how to take the gospel to culture. I really like this. I thought it was good. And here's who I would say it's great for if you are discipling someone who's a little bit younger than you and you're trying to prepare them to live in this world, this is going to be a great book to go through because it'll give you talking points. I'm going to speak at a senior high camp in North Iowa this summer. I'm going to bring uh, this as a recommendation to the high schoolers and the youth leaders, because if you're discipling a high schooler, especially one who's been heavily influenced by this culture, this is going to be a great book to give you a starting place to talk. So The title again is a student's guide to culture by stone street and Kunkel. And I'm going to give it a solid five on the goodness scale. I really liked it. I think it's a great book and I would highly recommend it. Highly recommended at a five. Yeah, I know that's what I thought would happen. So (laughs) for what it is, it's solid, but I know it's not going to be for everybody. And also within its genre, it's trying to be an introduction.
0: I just remembered something that we were supposed to do and I would like to interject it before Tim's books in business. That's okay. It's fine are, me. Are we at a good, a good point? I don't know if you had, I, just, I was in the middle of a thought. I read finished thought. Finish so, thought. No, I
2: would just say that because it's, it's like a specific idea, like a specific sure. thing. And because if you really want a treatment on gender and sexuality, there's other books you go to. If you mm-hmm. want on pornography, like Charlie's sexual detox is really good. If you want one on, uh, Racial tension, Vody Bachum's fault line, but like there's other yeah. books. But if you're looking for an intro, so I felt like I couldn't put it super high. Good. That's why. All right, thanks, Charlie.
0: So our social media manager Sydney uh, brought a book to us. It's currently sitting in my office. I forgot to bring it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, we the, got the it. The name yeah. of the book is "What Is God? What Is God?" And uh, this is not a book that we are recommending that you purchase. Uh, unless you're purchasing it to burn it, uh, it's horrendously bad. Uh, there's there's a particular page. It's like everything is God. You're God. You know. It's like this really weird, like oh, it's disgusting. Isn't so, it a children's book? It is. It's like aimed at children, like cute little puppy dog photos, and it's like cartoony and um, it's absolutely horrendous. And so I told Sydney that uh, we would place it on the shack stack for her. So, uh, just so you are aware, it's what is God by, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this. It's Eten, not Ethan, but E-T-A-N, Boritzer. Um, and, uh, yeah, you should, if you, if you feel like you want to minister to the world, you want to go and buy all of them and destroy them, it'd be a service to the Lord. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, what is God? It's a negative 5 million on the goodness scale and, uh, <laughs> firmly placed on the shack stack
1: boom <laughs> okay uh with that i'm gonna recommend uh n- my books in business is a way to pray by matthew Manry. It's just like we're going a complete opposite direction here folks it's like right?
2: shifting the gear without using the clutch you <laughs> yeah, hear he that slammed it in it's like but it's you're okay. going
1: from reverse to fourth gear forward or hey, something it's okay.
2: our, our podcast can handle that
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're good at that uh a way to okay
0: pray. can i throw in another comment oh man here it comes <laughs> So I actually did just talk to someone today who said that they appreciate uh, the length of our podcast, not that it's actually really short, but that they enjoy that we take time to develop. Like okay. We have like a depth of content. So you know, maybe we need to just like talk for like another twenty minutes. Get us over an hour again. So I've got a
1: way to pray by uh, Matthew Henry, a biblical (laughs) method for (laughs) enriching your prayer life.
0: What's your book again, Tim?
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, originally published by Matthew Henry, so a long time ago. Matthew Henry was um, it was first published in seventeen ten. It's been edited and revised by O Palmer Robertson, so uh, it's been updated essentially. And I really like this book. This is a prayer book. And when I say it's a prayer book, it's not a book uh, about prayer. It's a book to pray. So we have recommended A Valley of Vision on our podcast on multiple occasions. A Valley of Vision includes Puritan prayers. Uh, they are Puritan, Puritan prayers, and they have a strong emphasis on confession of sin, identification of sin, confession of sin, repentance, and uh, renewal. I really like Valley of Vision. I I might like this book more. Uh, The the book is divided up into nine chapters. Five of the chapters include the various components of prayer. You have praise, confession, petition, thanksgiving, and intercession. The idea is that you would take a section from the praise uh, component and you could pray it. And I'm just going to read through a portion of the praise section. Uh, "All All things are naked and exposed before the eyes of you, the one with whom we have to do. Even the secret thoughts and intents of every human heart are fully known by you. Your eyes, this is of course speaking of God, your eyes are in every place, scrutinizing the evil and the good. They run back and forth throughout the earth that you may show yourself strong in support of those whose hearts are right with you. Then it lists uh, three scriptures passages, Hebrews four twelve and thirteen, Proverbs fifteen, three, and 2 chronicles sixteen, nine. The idea here is you're basically praying Scripture back to God. James chapter four and verse eight states, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Praying scripture back to God is a great way to draw near to God and and is an important component of a a personal devotional life. And I would encourage you to get into God's word and to read it, but also then to pray and spend uh, significant seasons of time in prayer. And the way that this is supposed to be done is that you would read a section of the book and then you would personalize it and you would pray it yourself. So you would work through a praise component and then a confession section a petition, then thanksgiving, and intercession. And this is a time where you would then be praying Scripture back to God, because essentially it is Scripture. They've just changed the pronouns and stuff and made it a little more personal. Um, And I found it personally uh, rather enriching. Uh, So I would really recommend it, A Way to Pray by Matthew Henry. Uh, If you are just sense that you're not praying very deeply or your prayer times last like a minute or two, You could seriously pray for an hour uh, with a book like this because you read the book and then you reword it and personalize it and you spend time in prayer about what you read and you do each section and you can easily pray for like an hour.
2: Sounds really interesting.
0: All right. So like we said earlier, this is question five in our discipleship question series. And so uh, if you haven't been listening along for those, you can go back and listen to the first four. But I hope you enjoy that. And we will see you next week. Let's have another conversation about discipleship. So this will be question number five in our series. And uh, we'll just do a little bit of a review. Question number one was, what is God's will? And our answer was, God's will is to internally transform you. God's will is to internally transform you. If you're thinking about that question, what is God's will? It's really easy to answer it in physical ways. Take that job, go to that place, do that thing, don't do that thing. But God's will is internal. He wants you to be something. And not that one is wrong or the other right, but if we don't focus internally, we might be missing something. That's the idea. Question number two then was how does God accomplish his will of internal transformation? And the answer that we talked through was God providing training in the form of tests and trials. So God will bring a difficulty into my life with the purpose of it being a means of internal transformation. That leads to number three, question three. How do trials cultivate transformation? And a trial is a restriction of desire. And so as my desires are restricted, Through a difficulty, it makes me or brings me to a higher state of awareness of what I really wanted my loves, my desires, or my motives. And then the last question was, What forms of training is God using in my life? And we gave three options difficult people, adverse circumstances, and temptation. And so, question five is thinking through all those questions, kind of wrapping up this first section. Have I been responding correctly to God's training in my life? Have I been responding correctly to God's training in my life? And so, I'm going to try and just pull all of the strings together, connect the dots here. And the way we're going to do that is to think through the practical steps that we've reviewed so far. So, from that first chapter of talking about internal. Versus external will or internal transformation. Can you guys remember what sort of the practical step of of that question was? So, ask myself, what is God's will, and I answer that well. God's will is internal, internal transformation. Do you remember what the practical step was from that from that question?
2: I think I could get close um, if the internal external part externally we usually look at actions and behaviors and that's not wrong but you were asking us to look internally God wants to change our internal desires and our loves so it's so sanctification is not only looking at your actions that you perform or your obediences or disobediences in like an external way but internally what do you love and are you repenting and aware or sensitive to what God's like what your desires are internally, is that close?
0: Yeah, so the idea would be to try to think through, not am I doing the wrong things, but am I wanting the wrong things? Trying Mm to actually think about your your loves and desires and motives. And so uh, practical step one is to start trying to identify, what do I love? What do I love? And sometimes in sanctification, it becomes not a question of, am I loving the right thing? But, well, as long as I'm doing the right things, everything's fine, right? Of course I'm doing God's will. I don't, I'm not sinning. I, I, never, I don't do those things, but there's more to it than that. And it's, am I loving the right things? And you, you can hide desire behind outward, outward obedience. You can do the right thing and not want to do it. And so that gets us to practical step two, which is connected to how God is facilitating the sanctification. So how is he doing it? He's bringing trials into your life. He's putting pressure on you. So then if I'm trying to see what I love as a as a practical step of sanctification and God wants me to see that and he's providing difficulty to accomplish that, what would the next practical step be? Do you guys remember?
2: Well, I think it would be looking at the trials and recognizing that it's it's not just a bad thing that happened. It's actually from the Lord to help reveal what's inside of you. Is that close?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I think you're, you're taking the idea and running really far with it really okay. quick, It's is really simple. So what do I love? Uh, what are the trials? Mm-hmm. So it's, oh, God uses trials to show me what I love. You don't even have to go to like the deep analysis yet. Okay. Just start thinking Where are these trials? Like, are they there? And we gave three types of those. Uh, Question number four, like, what are they? People, circumstances, temptation. So practical step one, very entry level. Well, what do I love? And then practical step two, where are the trials in my life? Are there difficult people? Are there difficult circumstances? Are there temptations to sin that I'm experiencing? And so that's practical step two. And then the rubber kind of meets the road. We put them together with the third practical step. And so in what way do you think we would connect the trial with the desire practically? How would we go about that? I think Andy already kind of got us there. No? Blank stare?
2: Man, I'm so...
0: So we start thinking about what I love. Mm -hmm. that's one thing I'm thinking, I'm considering. What are my actual loves? What do I really Mm -hmm. want? What are my desires? What are my motives? And then a second practical step is identifying where are these difficulties that God is placing in my life? So then how would I practically bring both of those considerations together? And we gave a couple of illustrations.
1: Are you talking about the desire... Uh, the trial revealing the the sinful desire is that where you're going with this
0: yeah re- the so how does the trial do that and if remember we oh. gave these
2: illustrations of it it re- it, re- it, restra- it, it uh it, it restrains what you want in some yeah. way somehow it, you don't get to get what you want and it shows you that
0: yeah so and it shows you how much you want how how does it show me that do you remember any of the illustrations we used you actually brought one up So you put pressure on something, right? Mm -hmm. And you use this illustration of tea. Oh, yeah, the teacup, yep. So instead of just broadly thinking through, oh, what do I love, which is practical step one, and then, oh, where are the trials, which is step two. Step three is, okay, when that person was being difficult, pressure, hot Mm -hmm. water on the tea, what desires are being revealed. So it's actually taking a step of oh. deeper recognition in specific moments where God was allowing the difficulty. Okay. And so there's just a, a little bit of a progression there. And that kind of gets us to, so wh- what do you do in those moments? How do, you, how do you analyze the evidence that you're seeing? That brings us to that pyramid where you know, there's the things I do mm-hmm. and the things I say, which are external. Once I do and say things, you, you see them, you can analyze what you think about them. The Bible says, you know, we can evidently see what is fleshly and, and spiritual. So how, how do I do an analysis of what's on the inside? So, well, I didn't do the wrong thing. I didn't say the wrong thing. Okay, what was I thinking in that moment? What was I feeling in that moment? And all of those layers get down to, okay, what do I, what did I want in that moment that I didn't get? So the next practical step, number four, would be asking yourself those types of questions. When that difficult person was there, when the adverse circumstance was happening, okay, did I do anything I know is wrong? Well, maybe the answer is no, I didn't do anything. Did you say anything wrong? No, I I, I controlled myself. I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, in that moment, what were you thinking? And usually this is where our external sanctification model completely breaks down. Because we get really good at external conformity, but internally, we're like, all the buzzers are going off, all the flags are flying. It's like we're, we're completely out of control internally. But because I haven't done anything, nobody knows about it. And so asking yourself when that person or circumstance or temptation was there, what was I thinking about? I was really thinking about giving in. I was really thinking about saying this or doing this. What were you feeling in that moment? Like when, when that difficult person was talking to you, how were you feeling? Was it like tense, bitter, jealous, envy? Can you can you actually identify some of those objective things? going on inside that nobody else knows are there and then really the the big question what do those things show you that you're loving like in that moment why was i bitter or jealous why was i planning to punch them in the face why was i thinking about that well what desires behind the curtain leading to that and so uh really all of the so answering the question, have I been responding to the training correctly? You have to do all those other things first. You have to look internally. You have to be able to know the moments when you should have been responding a certain way. You have to identify the moments of either obedience or disobedience. And to know if you're responding correctly, you can't just look at the outside of the cup. You have to look at the inside of the cup. If you completely disregard your thoughts and your attitudes and your loves you're you're missing a, a great portion of the of the process so you you do those things you start thinking about what you love you start identifying the trials you start considering like what do those trials reveal about me where's the the toothpaste coming out of the t- the tube where's the tea coming out from the hot water and you start looking at those responses and reactions you start asking yourself difficult questions. It's like, what was I thinking in that moment? And then to answer question five, you have to make a judgment about those things. And this is what section two is going to get into. Hmm. Was my response fleshly or was my response spirit? And so once you've kind of gone through steps one through four there, and you should have a list like, oh, Monday, difficult person one, and this is how I was feeling and thinking. And, oh, I think that in that moment, here's what I really wanted and I didn't get it. Okay, so then your, your reactions in that moment, to know if it was a correct response, you have to decide, was that a response of the Holy Spirit or was that a response of my flesh? And you might not have acted on it if it was fleshly, mm. but it could still be present within you. And that's, that's the discernment that you're trying to develop. And so these first five questions, this first section, it's all about awareness. It's all about trying to turn the lights on for you personally to see how your heart is reacting in those difficult moments. And so if you write out those trials that God has allowed and you start asking yourself those tough questions, I'm confident. You will identify areas where you responded fleshly, confident. In fact, we do this all the time. <laughs> and and we know as Christians, I'm upset, but I, but don't do that. Don't say anything. Just be quiet, which I do think it's virtuous to, to be able to control your tongue. James talks about that. But if you just think there's a, a victory happening because you didn't do something externally, but you are raging with anger internally, and you don't know how to to deal with that, you don't know how to to walk in the spirit internally, you might have some issues down the road. Um, So uh, if you're honest with yourself, if you really take down that record and start thinking through those moments, you're going to see a lot of fleshly influence. And this is because we're totally depraved. Uh, The more spiritual you are, you're going to see how sinful you are. It's not how much more perfect you become, even though we do progress, it's not like, oh, wow, I'm perfect today. You're going to see sin all over the place. And I think that's actually God's point, is to walk in the Spirit is not a walk of perfection, but it's a walk of recognition, where the more and more you see how sinful you are, the more and more you have to depend upon His grace. And that takes us right back to James 4, he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble the whole point of that awareness is so that you can respond the right way. If you look at how you responded in those moments, you're like, yeah, that that's not the spirit of God. That is my flesh. What do you need to do? Well, if you have the incorrect response, that implies that there's a correct response. We're going to get like we're going to jump into the deep end of that in the next like three or four questions. What is walking in the spirit? Like what do you actually do? But the simple the simple answer is you humble yourself and you confess your sin. And so, uh, question number five, have I been responding to the training the right way? The way you answer that is you have to look back at the moments of training. You have to identify what's going on inside thoughts, attitudes, desires, loves, motives, and you have to make a judgment. Is that fleshly or not? And if it is, you are not correctly responding. (laughs) if you're if you're responding in fleshly ways and you're not doing anything about it, that's not the correct response. And so uh, that's you know the last practical step here is if you see that, repent. <laughs> to, really, it's a step of prayer. Hmm. And so uh, what do you guys think about that? You have maybe a, a few minutes of dialogue on that? Add some things in.
2: So I don't know if you remember in 2018, I was going to speak at a family camp on sanctification, and so you and I. We met at Porchlight and in my office and we were talking through that. And that was when you first started walking me through some of these thoughts. And from that point on in our friendship, one of the most helpful repeated things you would say that goes along with what you're saying here is when someone's looking at their life and they want to know, like want to learn about it, a question you would ask is like whatever the action heart like feeling or anger, you know, whatever it is, you'd say, is that being produced by the spirit of God or would that be produced by the flesh? And that litmus test like drove drives my mind to see that, man, I'm ragingly angry, but I'm keeping it in control outside. But Mm -hmm. like is internal raging anger because that, that is that really like righteous anger (laughs) or is this just fleshly? So I think the flesh spirit thing and like looking at my desires has been very helpful. Do you have like, do you have a place you would take people uh, in the scripture to look at that? Or is that like a later lesson? Or-
0: yeah. So another great question to ask in those moments when it is purely internal. Mm-hmm. And there are, I think we've produced a lot of Christians like this in our discipleship ministries, avoiding external mm-hmm. shame and guilt. Like, don't, don't do that thing. You know, they're, they're afraid of their sin or confessing their sin. And there's like a a high level of, of control externally, but maybe they don't know how to deal with it internally. Are they really walking in repentance, walking in the spirit in their, in their heart? You know, and um, a a great way to imagine this, to maybe answer the question is, okay, you didn't do or say anything, Mm -hmm. but in that moment, if you would have done what you wanted to do, what would you have done? And I've had guys in my office, and I ask them that. I'm like, well, what happened? Well, they said this, but I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't say anything back. But you can tell they're upset. I'm like, well, what, what did you want to do in that moment? And just, just be honest with me. What did you want to do? I wanted to punch the guy in the face. Okay, great, good. That, that's spiritual awareness, by the way. Understanding what they wanted to do. And then maybe another layer would be understanding why they wanted to do that. Uh, to So the motive behind the potential action. And so, okay, if you would have done that, would that have, w- would we deem that a righteously angry, a- angry thing to do is to punch him? Or would we say, no, that's probably fleshly. And they can, they imagine, oh, that's what I wanted to do. And that's clearly fleshly. Yeah. But so that's in your heart. Like that's there. Like, it's <laughs> just because you didn't do It doesn't mean it's not there. And so I think that's helpful. But then, Uh, a great test of those things is Galatians five. The deeds of the flesh are evident and there's the whole list. It's not the only list. Um, And by the way, that list isn't purely external actions either. Uh, It includes internal desires, but uh, trying to think in terms of like, make it concrete. Like if you actually did that thing, how would you assess that action? If someone did it to you, how would you assess that? And it helps people determine oh that is spirit or that's flesh or not so
2: in that list i pulled it up i think impurity sensuality those are probably likely tied to actions but strife uh jealousy fits of anger rivalries i mean a lot of those are internal and go Mm -hmm. unnoticed so i think the fits of anger i think another translation says outbursts of wrath yeah like (laughs) if it's in there it's in there
0: yeah. Tim, do you have any thoughts?
1: No, I mean, I think you're right on. Galatians 5 was the text that I was thinking of as you were working through all of that. Um, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Um, putting off the flesh and living in the spirit. So uh, the the spirit is something that's internal. Um, yeah, I, I love it. That's exactly it. And I hope it, our listeners, as you think through your own life, remember, not somebody else's life, but your own life. Um, analyze that that fleshly desire within and put it to death. Um, now, how we go about doing that would be another conversation, but identifying it and then putting it to death is uh, a step in that discipleship process.
2: So this is kind of a, either a leading question or a really poor question. I'll let you decide when I ask it. So for a while you did a heavy discipleship ministry on campus as the Dean of Men. And so you were working with guys and then before that you were a pastor. So you've been working with people. How, how, I'm trying to figure out how to ask the question, but I, we all have experienced walking with God and not growing and changing and wondering why. And then we've all had probably worked with people who, no matter how much we work, there's that happening. Like what percentage if you had to give a percentage, would <laughs> this misunderstanding of how things work play in people who are stagnant in their walk with God and really want to grow like how many times out of ten do you think this is one of the root issues that's holding them back from walking forward and making progress in their spiritual life
0: that is that's a tough question because i don't I don't think thinking it through a certain way or having certain terminology or a, a certain progression of ideas is, is, is requisite to growth. I think the word of God is, is very resilient that way. And just, you know, as a, as a side note, as we talk about, was that response in the Holy spirit or was that of the Holy spirit? One surefire way to know that is, does it align with the word of God? You know, like you, Amen. If, if you, you know, it, you can do the things that the word tells you is right and it be wrong. Like you could be doing it for the wrong reasons, but you can never walk in the spirit and do things out of the
2: word of God. Amen.
0: And so that's a great, to use your, you used litmus earlier, a uh, litmus test is, you know, are my responses aligning themselves with what is written in the word? So that's, that's a a great way to, to start thinking through. Um, but so I don't, I don't think they need to have a certain understanding of it. I think it's, in simple seed forms all over the place. But what happens when you do understand it to a different um, magnitude, if you really understand sanctification theology, and you can really see yourself vividly how the Bible describes you, what will happen is you will know when you're not growing and you'll know exactly why. It's like, it's, it's kind of, it's a, the sword, you know, you fall on your own sword, like especially as someone who has these conversations all the time with guys, you know, you can see right away in your own life when you're not doing this. Like you can't tell someone else about it and then be like, oh yeah, that difficult person the other day, that wasn't sanctification. You can't, you can't ignore it. And I think that's, what's so helpful is it just, it becomes a part of the way you see life. And, uh, we can call it sanctification. You know, we talk about the new Testament, but what would we call that in the old Testament, Tim?
1: Having eyes to see Deuteronomy six.
0: Well, I was, I think I was expecting like one, one word specifically.
1: Oh, uh, love fear. I don't know where you're devotion.
0: We're not on the same, uh, (laughs) the same wavelength here. I think from an old Testament perspective, we would say this is
1: wisdom. Okay. Mm, Like
0: seeing, not just knowing how things, but like an intimate understanding of what's going on. Like you're seeing life in a different way, uh, connecting different dots. And people don't have to connect all those dots to grow. But once you do connect those dots, you devote yourself to a study like this to start writing some of these things down. It makes it a lot harder for you to ignore how God's at work in your life. And, and I do think a high percentage of Christian young people ignore or, or are ignorant of how God is actually at work in their life. Um, so I do think there is some, like just mm-hmm. a lack of knowledge of how he's trying to grow them. But anyway, so I want to just give one final, like if there was one thing you could do to start implementing these ideas, I think journaling is the way to do this. To get a notebook, if you were my dad, it'd be just like a classic 70-page steno notebook. You know, no, there's no nothing glamorous about it. Uh, but you could go over to the faith bookstore and you could find really nice ones. But just a notebook. And what do you do in that notebook? You, at the end of the day, or if you want to do it on the next morning, you try to identify the things that we're talking about. What are the things I'm always wanting? What are the deep loves that are evident in my life? And right alongside of that, okay, Monday, where was God working in my life today? And if you don't know how to answer that question, well, start with where was God allowing difficult people in adverse circumstances? Where were you tempted? And just start writing those things down. And then, you know, maybe after a few days, at the end of a week, Sunday afternoons is a great time to do this. You've been in the Word all morning. Mm-hmm. Take the the third ordinance of the Baptist church is that Sunday afternoon nap. Amen. So you're in the Word, you eat lunch, you <laughs> have a nap, and then, and wake up and then look back on the previous week and ask yourself those questions about those moments. What was I? What was I feeling and thinking or loving in those moments of difficulty? Why? Why were those moments so difficult? What loves were being restricted in those moments? And then as you look really carefully at those moments and you see what comes out of you, you see the toothpaste come out when the pressure went on, the the hot water gets poured over and the tea is coming out. Uh, As you look at that, ask yourself tough questions. Was my reaction or response in that moment, was that a fleshly response? That I do or want to do something contrary to the word of God, right there, was I angry, bitter, jealous? You know, was my heart under the control of God's spirit or not? And uh, like I said, the next like three or four questions, we're just going to talk about that specifically. But I think there's enough um, grace that God extends if we honestly look. It's not hard to identify, um, and so as you do that. God's going to open your eyes to things. And then the key, the question that we're talking about right now, oh yeah, that was the flesh. What do I do? Well, the flesh is not the right response. So I need to respond in the spirit, which starts with confession and repentance. And so you write all those things out in that journal. You look back at them and you identify moments of sin. And what do you do? You trust God because he gives you grace when you confess your sin. And uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful truth. So that's question number five. And we'll pick this up on a future episode with question number six. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings podcast.